Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for Stage 17 of the Vuelta. It is a pretty simple stage. One categorized climb, it's Cat 2, but it's made up in two parts, 2.3k, 7%, a rest of, I don't know, a K or so, and then another 4k is a 7.5%. And yeah, just a sort of stage we thought yesterday after the Roglic crash, 100% going to the breakaway because this is a Roglic perfect finish, but after the crash, uh, it'd be tricky for him. Or oh, we didn't expect him to pace. And unfortunately, before the race started, Roglic had to abandon the race due to the crash yesterday. A real shame because, I don't know, going back and watching the footage of his attack yesterday, it was really, really impressive. Like attacking, he was in terrible position attacking from there yeah. on a flattest false flat gapping the belt on holding it for three k's super impressive um but he's out so that meant big changes benji in the gc henrik maas the model of consistency this welter moved into second uh which is good news for movistar and points and a moved into third on 449 now, that opened up third, the big battle for that, because there's a huge gap to Mars from Remco of two minutes. Um, and But the gap from Ayuso on 450 to Rodriguez is 20, uh, 25 seconds, and to Lopez was 35 seconds. So that really opened things up. What did you... Where do you see... Rodriguez strengths against a Juan Ayuso or a Lopez strength against Ayuso or their relative team strengths as it applies to this third week? Well, with a third week like this, it becomes very difficult for the riders that are in there to move past an Ayuso, in my opinion, because an Ayuso on paper is a rider that is quite punchy in a final kick on a on a hill on a, on a not-so-crazy climb when it comes to, like, we don't have a Sierra Nevada anymore, stuff like that. We have climbs that are shallow and are not 18 kilometers, for example. So on paper, an Ayuso should be able to follow on that terrain. And he has the kick that a, a Rodriguez does not have, that a Lopez has, but not crazy like an Ayuso has. Lopez has a kick, but not like that. I wouldn't rate it like that, like an Ayuso. So that's the, the benefit that an Ayuso has, and it fits on the last week of this Felta. So Ayuso being in the pole position of that, third position of GC now is a good position to be in for him. Rodriguez, I'm a bit meh when it comes to him now in week three. I find it hard to believe that he's going to get that third spot unless they get something tactical going. As in, Yui has shown so far in this Vuelta that Almeida has not been willing to work for an Ayuso, even with the gap that is currently in front of Almeida. Like, he's, I think, a minute 40 behind Lopez is he just trying to gain time on Adensman stuff like that I don't know perhaps trying to secure his top seven or trying to hunt for that top five himself but if I was UAE I'd try to secure the Ayuso spot that third spot more and perhaps they would do that in week three we'll see in today's stage for example but when it comes to Rodriguez and Lopez Lopez needs the bigger climbs and those aren't here in this third week so and it's difficult yeah it's like I think he likes Gamonitero, uh, which doesn't exist. Nine yeah. percent. What is Rodriguez? He's lighter than Ayuso by five kilos, right? Like he, yeah. I think he's that diesel wants that fourteen k nine percent climb. Even Sierra Nevada, 
it's like five percent. It doesn't that doesn't even suit him. And wasn't he he was in the wind just suffering on that four percent section? Do you think I will get into the recap in a minute, but I think the UAE team is way stronger, way stronger than Ineos on paper in the actual medium mountains. Hollande, yep. Solaire, Almeida, Ayuso, that's four that's really good, those four guys. The problem is then Soler goes in every break and they're all not working <laughs> for each other, whereas Ineos are all in on Rodriguez. That's the big advantage he has, that he has Van Baal, Turner, um, Gagenhart, Plapp at his disposal fully. I think that is an advantage. I just wonder which stages UAE can get burnt on. My issue with UAE is that I think that it generally looks, when you look at this Vuelta, it looks like Almeida in his Portuguese jersey, Ayuso in his white jersey, and then we've got Soler in the normal UAE jersey. I think they all think they're riding for a different team. I don't think at any point, except for perhaps that rolling attacks against Rodriguez, Moment, Don Sierra Nevada, outside of that, I haven't seen those three really work well together so far. I think Soler helped a tiny bit at Sierra Nevada as well for one of the riders. No, I'm not he, he did. did he not? I didn't see it on TV. Oh. I, I saw him looking back and dropping back, but I think yeah. by the time he did, it was way too late and he was stuffed. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. It's a soft third week, but already we saw yesterday, Rolich can make big changes. Lopez as well. He's got Luchenko, Tejada, Pronsky, De La Cruz. It is a strong <laughs> team, Nibali. Yeah, well, but... it's, it's the same as UAE. They don't work for each other. I haven't seen Pronsky in this entire race. I think once, once. Sorry, nah, he's once. He's been there. He's been there in the dark, <laughs> in like the the darkness somewhere at the back, somewhere. <laughs> but Nibali, like, like I'm spoiling a small part of today's stage by saying this, but Nibali was at the front of like the GC group on the final climb. What's his what, What's his role there? What Dude. is he doing there? He's not even getting Lopez to the front. I think he's just there to have fun. Don't you think compared to Contador's <laughs> 2017 send off? The Valverde and Nibali final Grand Tours have been the biggest disappointment from yeah. an entertainment perspective, particularly Valverde. Like, I know he's not in great, great shape, but he's still Valverde. He can still do something from a breakaway. There's been so many stages like this, nailed on break. We didn't even mention him yesterday because he's not even trying to get <laughs> in the breakaways. It's like, and he was strong. Like, what's the point of... I know, Ultima Bala going for like 15th on GC. It's just, I know, it's a shame to just go out with a whimper like this. But anyway, you might have heard yesterday, if you missed that pod, it was a banger. But we've mentioned the upcoming changes to Zwift, but Zwift have just announced a new smart trainer to the Zwift Hub on sale from the 3rd of October. You can pre-register. You're in the UK, Europe, or uh, USA, Zwift are breaking down the barriers to indoor training by making this trainer cheaper and easier to set up than any other trainer on the market. If you compare it to other trainers of a similar spec with a cassette installed, which you can choose a 212 speed and SRAM, Campagnolo, or Shimano. If you compare the spec, don't take my word for it, go and see the independent review guys on YouTube. It's crazy, crazy price. And that's just breaking down the barriers. So they're rolling out on 3rd of October to sign up for notifications for when Zwift Hub goes on sale or to find out more about Zwift and the new smart trainer. Head to Zwift.com or to Zwift's YouTube channel. But anyway, that was a long discussion about 
a stage like this from Aracena to Monasterio de Tenturia, it's, as I said, a ramp like that, uh, 4K, 7.5%, no roll glitch, it's going to be breakaway. And a break we did see with Benji Nye's picks in it, which was good for the interest. <laughs> uh, right, uh, Maida, and we're in there for Bahrain. Champoussin, who won a similar uh, Stage 20 last year. Jezbert for Arkea, Solaire, and Benji's pick, and Pacher. My pick, I was worried he wouldn't get in the break, but he got in. Jungles, Kranich, Elisande, Jesus Serrato has already won a stage, Rigoberto Uran, and Alessandro De Marchi. Uh, so pretty strong breakaway. They've got six minutes. Um, Kranich has been really strong, Benji, but he just keeps picking the wrong stages. <laughs> uh, it's, it's difficult, you know. I think Kranich is the kind of rider that is not the best climber in this breakaway. But I think he's also low-key underrating himself because I think he's good enough to be able to compete for a stage like this, even on the climbing aspect. But he seems to keep trying to like anticipate the climbing moves by going earlier. I swear on one of the stages, he went on the second last climb, went to the top of that second last climb. Vine went to his wheel at the top of that climb, if I recall correctly, into the descent towards the final camp, Sierra Nevada. I think that was a stage. And then in today's stage, he also anticipated and he tried to get ahead of things by attacking the group, the group that had formed. Because, like, there's also the aspect, is it clever to do that, knowing that there's multiple teams with multiple riders in the group that he's attacking? This is before the final climb, let's say it's roughly with 17, 18 to 20 kilometers to go. And... We see him attacking. One of the Arkea riders tries to follow him, I think Guglielmi, and that doesn't work out. Kradok gets that gap, but obviously, like, Fred Wright, he was in there, dropped for a tiny bit, and then came back to that group to try and chase down Kradok. And then becomes clear that he's at a disadvantage because there's multiple teams with multiple riders. So the question can be asked, is it really clever to do that? I think he got unlucky that there weren't sort of multiple climbs to break it up and drop the other domestiques first. Maybe Wright was gone at that point. But, yeah, he was super strong. Like, he did this on a harder stage. Uh, what was the stage? It's Sierra Nevada, wasn't it? He got ahead on yeah. Perke and Vinebridge yeah. to him. That's a steep climb. Got ahead before that. It's just he got unlucky with the teammates. In the end, he did get close. I just thought, I don't know, I was really surprised yesterday that um, no one tried to do a ruler attack apart from Roglic. Or no one, I, I was surprised the break didn't win yesterday as well, frankly. I was surprised right. <laughs> um, Craddock didn't try and go in it. I guess that's because they were going for Caden uh, Gross. But in the GC group, pretty easy day. Nothing much happening apart from, are you so crashing, Benji? Yeah, a bit unfortunate it seemed, like he ended up going to the medic afterwards, the medical car, but they seemed to solve whatever issue he had after that crash relatively easily. He came back to the peloton, and I don't know if there were proper consequences, but I guess the uh, finish of today's stage for the GC group would show us if he was still fine or not. Now, when it comes to the GC group, they were clearly letting that breakaway go. The gap was like seven, eight minutes. There's no incentive for anybody to really chase down this group, so... The battle came down to the breakaway to uh, go for the stage win, and we just said it. Kradok gets a bit of an advantage before the climb starts. I think it actually goes up to at least 24, 25 seconds at a certain point in the initial parts of the climb, and we see that 
after Fred Wright tries to control that gap as much as possible. The next one to do so is, I think, Mater, his teammate. And I was thinking, okay, are they now taking control a bit too much, Bahrain? Because if Mater is taking control already at the foot, he's doing the work for the group and the others on gradients like this are actually benefiting from his draft on this finish as well. And it took a bit before we saw other moves. And I think it was Arkea that decided to move with one of their riders. I think it wasn't Guglielmi. I think it was just Bear who went from the left side of the road in the middle of the group and like sniped to the right side of the road and flew past everybody, at least attempted to do so. There was some reaction. I think Pacher tried to respond, but then was like, I'll wait, I'll wait, and went back sitting down again. And there was no imminent reaction. And I think it was just Bear that started closing it down to 10, 12 seconds towards Craddock. But Craddock kept up his tempo up there. He kept up that tempo. And it was then that we saw another group of two bridge, Sean Poussin, the man last year. He won stage 20 by flying past everybody. And he did a few of those moves today again, attempting to get a similar victory. He tried to bridge towards... Just bear with Uran and that three-man group was there, but then it was time, eh? Then it was time for one of our two picks to come <laughs> to life, and I'm afraid it was yours, right? Well, it was incredible. It was like they listened to the pod yesterday. The Pacher <laughs> and Soler, they were both... Pacher trusts his sprint, and Soler is just doing the way he's been riding slow, like steadily at the back. He teleported to the group. Yeah, Pacher counted... Uran marked it. Uran was incredibly strong today. I did think Pacher might have been able to get away. Soler then countered, uh, and then they start finessing again. They eventually catch Craddock. I'm not sure when exactly. I was worried they were going to like just leave him at 10 seconds and never actually catch him. And uh, then Champoussin, with his trademark move, I am Clement Champoussin, goes past. And I was like, surely not again. I think it was Uran who closed him. Ellison's dangling just behind. Um, and then it was Hirata, big counter, already yeah. won a stage. I thought, ooh, big gap. But Uran, he just maybe gone a little bit too early. Uran again closing him down. Pacher drops Soler, I think, Um but how much does it cost not being on the wheel? 600 meters to go. You see Harada's face. You can visibly see like Harada almost just give up the ghost and like can't pedal anymore. <laughs> and Uran attacks with Pecher, not quite in the wheel yet. I think the the fact that it was a hugely curved finish helped Uran. There wasn't a perfect draft he was giving anybody. And Pecher in a big gear couldn't get back to him. I'd recommend go and watch the last 5Ks or 7Ks, it was actually a really exciting break battle on this hill. Um, yeah. it, much better than that Giro stage where uh, Bowman won. This was fantastic. Uran winning, big win for him. His first world to win, a bad world to so far for EF, redeems it, moves into ninth on GC, takes the 100 UCI points. Pacher second, Herada third, Soler fourth on 15 seconds. Then Elisson, Champsin, Demarki, Jungles, Gisbert, and Kranich. Mader lost two minutes, so Mader just not been the same this year. Um, and in terms of GC, Uran moves from 12th to 9th on 9.33, now 22 seconds uh, behind O'Connor. So great win for Uran, Benji. And it yep. begs the question, like, he just, I don't know, he, he was way stronger. I, I swear he closed down twice as much as anybody else. Yeah, 
he uh, closed quite a bit, I'd say, and he was one of the active riders that not only closed but tried bridging groups as well, together with Sean Poussin early, then later on he was the one that bridged to Herada together with, um, no, to Craddock together with Herada, I think that was the duo, so twice or at least two times on the climb he was the one bridging with someone else, trying to get himself towards a friend to make sure he can compete for this victory, and it's not a, a rider that wins a lot, I'm pretty sure it's like his first Vuelta stage win, I think he won in the Tour de France in 2017 in a group sprint against Bargill. Yes, the one where it was a millimeter sprint. Oh, wow, memories. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, I went off on a uh, on a zone out there for a second. But going into ninth is exactly what we kind of anticipated EF to try. And we saw last week that two of their three options to do that fell out of the top 20, which was Carfi and Podden. So there was one man left. I think Uran already jumped towards, I think it was 12th indeed. And then he now jumped on to nine. So like you mentioned, they need two breakaways to get into that top 10. And Uran used two breakaways, is now in the top 10. But the issue is, there's still breakaways to come. And is he now too close that he can't go in the breakaway? Or do you think that he's still on nine minutes 33, that's still safe to be allowed in the breakaway to secure his position? Because other people will try and do the same. Like, I don't know, a Mankey is now 11th in GC, is destined to try exactly the same in the coming days. Will this rider anticipate that? Uran and will he say, let me go in the breakaway as well to make sure this doesn't happen to me? Or do you think it's too, too close in GC? Nine minutes 30. Well, who's going to... So he is... So O'Connor won't let him. AG2R won't. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure. Uh, DSM probably won't either. They're the two riders ahead of him on GC. So I think that's his problem, trying to get in the break. Hindley... 11.40, Will, O'Connor, and AG2R. I wouldn't let him in the break, personally. Taking back three, four minutes. So I think Uran is going to try and defend it and then hope there are splits on stage 20 that he gets on the right side of and one of Almeida, Aronsman, O'Connor, or perhaps more than one, get stuffed. Um, and that's how I would play it. I would defend and then try and get into moves on stage 20, and I think one of those three could come a cropper. Um, but in the GC group, kind of peculiar. Like, I don't think it was the hardest stage ever, although it finished a bit early. Um, Movistar start pacing with Mulberger, uh, Oliveira before into the base, Ineos into the base to for Rodriguez position. Like, what? A Movistar are going to try something? With Mas now second on GC, they can't surely think that they're going to gap even a pole on this finish. But I guess if you don't know, if you don't try, uh, Valverde paces really hard, suggesting decent condition. And then we see off camera because the brake battle was still going. On the last climb, Mas attacks Remco. Remco's in the wheel and then Mas stops. Uh, so I, was like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, I don't know what the point of it is. Like you can say, if you don't try, you won't know. Agreed, whatever. But... Yeah. You do know when you start this stage, if you have an easy stage like this, Remco is not injured, you are not going to have big gaps. He's 140 back. So the prospect of you taking any time is very, very low, and the prospect of taking meaningful time is almost nil. The prospect of Valverde or Verona with an Oliveira in this break actually doing something, getting points or a stage win, more importantly, is higher than that, and I'm just I'm really surprised that they didn't they didn't try. 
I think the key is striking the balance because obviously you've got Mazen leadership, he wants support, and you gotta be able to show you can have that support on the stage while also being able to hunt with someone in the breakaway. So I agree that on a stage like this, a Maz doesn't need the entire team with him, for example. Now, if it is with a mountain stage, then I'd argue, like a proper mountain stage, then I'd argue perhaps they could be with him or could play a role as a satellite rider in the breakaway. Slash, if that satellite rider role fails, then they can also go for the stage if nothing comes out of it. But like, on a stage like this, it's not 100% necessary to have everybody with Maz and... I agree that it's unlikely to get something out of the stage. I do think that it's good that they try stuff on this stage. So I think it's just the balance, trying to do stuff in the peloton while trying to do stuff in the breakaway and making sure that Moss doesn't lose confidence because mentally he might be a person that might need his entire team as support mentally in the peloton to feel safe, which I don't know. I don't think, I think it's an illusion. <laughs> like... No, but we've it's been much debated, right? Because we, you know, obviously in the Tour de France, Jumbo Visma, despite being down a few riders, yeah, you you look at the parkour and you're like, where can the teammates actually help you, and how can we make sure they get into position to actually help you? Because like you don't need six riders on a flat stage to help you if you have a flat with seventy k's to go. You you don't like that's just. You're being irrational if you want six riders around you for this stage, in my yeah. view. Uh, but anyway, they tried. No criticism. Well, that no, that's not true. I did just criticize it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it is what it is. I just think, like, I'm surprised Favoletti's not gone to break. Uh, but the big surprise was Joao Almeida countering. Yeah. And... No one reacted until everyone was looking at and Avonapol was like, why the fuck would I care? He's on seven <laughs> minutes with three minutes from the end, four minutes from the end, and he's, I'm just going to do like a nothing pace, whatever. And suddenly Lopez was like, oh, I'm actually about – I'm losing time my on my fifth position. Ayuso just sat in and then in a, in a, he attacked Mars. Mars and Remco marked him. Well, actually, Remco marked him. I don't really know why. I guess because he's on four minutes. You know, why give him any time <laughs> if you have good legs? And when Ayuso saw Mars was there, he stopped. So, yeah, I guess Almeida took a bit of time, 10 seconds. I don't – yeah, he had the good legs, I guess. I think on a finish like this, this is what we uh, mentioned also at the start of the podcast, where Ayuso can actually do something on a finish like this. It's a climb that is not long enough to make him have trouble against the likes of uh, a Mars on a, on a bigger climb. That would be the case. We saw that on Sierra Nevada, but on this finish, it shouldn't. The gradients aren't insane either, so it's just an averagely shallow climb. So Ayuso could help get, well, could actually use help is what I meant to say from the likes of an Almeida here. And the question then is, Almeida's move could be useful if, let's say, Almeida goes up the road, Ayuso bridges, and then Almeida keeps pacing for him on the shallow gradients of this climb towards the end. That's an option. But there's also the issue that if Ayuso can't bridge, Almeida keeps pacing, Almeida's not going to gain that much out of this. So I agree in that aspect. And it wasn't their plan uh, from what I could see, at least, to have a Yuzo bridge to Almeida and have that happen. Ayuso did try to attack while Almeida was up front, and that's when I'd argue he made a mistake, because I think that Ayuso attacked the group that he was in with Remco, with Mars, with Lopez, with Rodriguez that came back after dropping for a bit, 
And he had made a split in that group while Almeida was at the front. He made a split in the group he was in where he had himself, Mas, and Evenepoel as three. And there was like a 10-meter gap on the likes of Lopez and Rodriguez who were in trouble. At that moment, Ayuso shouldn't say, oh, Almeida's up there. I shouldn't ride behind him. He should say, I should keep riding because the two guys we just dropped are the two guys that are 10 and 20 seconds behind me in GC or 20 and 30 seconds behind me in GC. I can gain more time and secure that podium. And I think that's a mistake Ayuso made today. I think he was attacking Mass. I think he thinks he's way better than Rodriguez. Um, I reckon he was attacking Mass. I sort of, yeah, like the gap on Mass is 2 minutes 50. That's going to be difficult. <laughs> That's going to be difficult to make up. The gap to Rodriguez is 40, I uh, know, 20, I can't do maths, 30 seconds after today's <laughs> stage, 30 seconds. Um, so, yeah, maybe he should have, maybe he's worried about giving Mass more time. When I think about it now, when I think of the La Molina finish, I really think Ayuso could have won today's stage or UAE could have from the GC group. They really could have. If you have, uh, they don't have maybe the team to control the break, so that's the problem. But if you have Soler hard pace this climb with Palance and then have Almeida uh, pace for Ayuso yep. or a set up an attack, like with Ayuso following moves, they really could have won this stage, I think. Um, but they went with Soler on the break. Not a bad option either, I guess. I think it's also not solely that aspect, not solely that I can win the stage because controlling a break like this wouldn't have been easy in the first place. But I think setting something up for their GC rider would have worked in this case. And this is where we kind of counter what we said with Movistar. A must can't, in my opinion, gain much time on the people that he's around in GC or gain much advantage on a stage like this against an Evenepoel. But an Uzo can actually gain stuff against the Lopez and the Rodriguez if he's set up to do something at this finish. So... Even regardless of the breakaway, let's say that they actually set something up with UAE in the peloton and they, they prep something, prep an attack of a Yuzo, then he can actually do damage. And I think they could have done that and they would have gotten more seconds on the people behind him in GC, secured that third podium spot so we can try focusing on crazier stuff to get a second spot perhaps in the future. And we'll get to that in a second. I do want to make a note of Aronsman got dropped quite badly. He yeah. lost 40 seconds on this finish, which is a lot actually so Almeida gaining quite a bit of time on him and O'Connor now closer to O'Connor got dropped too but yeah that was all good for Rigoberto Uran um so we'll see how that plays out in the rest of the week is Aaronsman what his shape is like uh and also Thibaut Pino was finishing with Hindley just behind Ayuso Mars and Evenepoel who were two seconds ahead of them so that must be the most frustrating thing ever like if you're an FDJ fan, Pino's 44 minutes in GC. He can't make a break to save his life in the Vuelta. And he's got the legs to finish on this climb with the top five GC guys. Top yeah. five, not top 10. He's dropping top 10 GC guys. You must just be like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I guess Pache got on the break, so they came second on the stage. But he uh, he did a sort of similar thing in Swiss, maybe, or he won a stage there. No, I don't know. Was it Dauphinate? There was some stage where he was just like testing his oh, no. legs. He was testing his legs, and poor old Stefan Kung, who was up there on GC, had been dropped, and he didn't Swiss. wait for Kung. He must have been Swiss, yeah. And we were like, what are you, what are you doing? Um, yeah. This is why we had the discussion about Thibaut Pino is a stronger rider than Leonard Kemner, peak shape, 20-minute climb, 8%. Pino is stronger. 
but Kamner is a better breakaway rider because you can get in the goddamn break. Um, yeah. And that's just a skill. Like, for example, Lopez, I don't know, can he get in a break? Can uh, Some guys can, some guys can't. Anyway, tomorrow's stage, Benji, might be the one. I reckon this could be more interesting than we think. Trujillo to Alto del Piornal. It is 13.6K, it's 5%. And then the final, that's the second last climb. And then the final one's 133 at 5.6%. There is some short little climbs. The Alto de la Des... Desespera, I was about to say the, Al- the climb of despair. It's 4.3 k's, 6%, then descent. And then that little climb is 1,500 meters, 10.3%. That's quite steep. The base of it, the first kilometer is about 12%. And then there's a descent between the last two climbs. I don't know. This is where, if I'm UAE, you have to, Solaire in the break, try with the two leaders after Poulon's paces on Pional with Almeida, I would, I would try. I mean, or should you? Because you're never going to, I don't know, if you attack with Almeida there, Benji, who marks him? Um, no one immediately because Ironsman was the one behind him and wants to follow him perhaps, but he's not good enough to do that at this point, it seems, based on today's stage. So the people ahead of him are the ones that we need to start looking at and the ones ahead of him are actually notably ahead of him, a minute 20 being Lopez and a minute 30 being Rodriguez. And it would be more ideal if an Almeida can perhaps, let's say an Almeida can perhaps gain 30 seconds or 20 seconds doing exactly the same he did today somehow on tomorrow's stage. And he's close enough to actually threaten Lopez and Rodriguez and trigger them to respond to him in the future, which might benefit a Yuzo. But I don't believe that the OE is playing... 40 chess in that effect because that would be next level when it comes to planning the future of, of this third week but and you'll lose so much on the descent i just realized he'll give 30 the, seconds back on that descent it has been terrible though this 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 Vuelta, i'd argue his descending has been better and it's also not the terrible. steepest descent has it terrible mate he started sierra nevada has yeah. climb in portugal he started as Carreras <laughs> in still in the Netherlands. Like you don't see it because there's no camera there. But it must yeah. be the case that in these quick technical fu- descent yeah. run-ins to these climbs, he is he's starting to climb thirty seconds behind. He's doing we on Sierra Nevada. Him and Ayuso did the same. Waspikilo was Roglic or Evenepoel. <laughs> like I know, so eventually beat Evenepoel and finished. They're just starting in terrible <laughs> positions. So I, I'm not convinced his descending is is fantastic, yeah, okay. particularly if people are chasing. I know, like Mars, it's 5.6 percent. What can you do on that? I don't know. I, I'm struggling to think of what would happen on this stage because Rodriguez, it doesn't suit him at all, and they don't have two leaders to play anymore. I would have thought this is where Sivakov and Rodriguez, who is a good descender. They yep. could have done something, but Civic is out. So what do you think, break or GC? I think break, and the reason is simple. I don't think any team is willing to control, same stuff as today. And I also think that GC-wise, if they want to set something up, these gradients on the pure null climbs are still like shallow gradients to the point where it's not really the kind of climb where I see someone attacking on the second last climb GC-wise. I don't know. I just don't see it. Like a Mars won't make that move, for example. A Lopez won't make that move in the position that he's in because he wants to get seconds on a user and not minutes on a user right now. So he doesn't want to risk that either going early to try and lose any 
competition for that for that third spot, for example, from Lopez's perspective. But breakaway, I'm leaning towards a third time Carapaz, and the reason is that we, I didn't see him today. I think that well, let's take a look. He lost eight minutes twenty five today, together with Gegenhardt, who's completely disappeared off the planet of the Earth in this Velta. But he's also not like finished on like 25 minutes, so not really an indication there 100% that he will go in the breakaway. Vine lost 20 minutes today, so that's maybe an indication that we can expect Jay Vine in the breakaway. So that's probably your pick sorted already, but I'm going to go for Carapaz. I'm going with Luis Leon Sanchez. Oh. I think the gradients are perfect for him. You saw him on Pandera. He's in good shape. Yeah. But on Pandera, he got wrecked on the 11%, 15% sections. We don't have that here. Uh, remember the Mejev stage? That was Fred Wright and Luis Leon Sanchez. That was a 20K 5% climb in the Tour de France. And they were very strong. Nick Schultz got robbed. Rest in peace. Um, <laughs> should have won that stage. Magnus Court stole it from him. And so I'm going with Luis Leon Sanchez. Yeah. Landers on 40 minutes on GC. He was, again, like Pino, like lingering in some GC last 10 groups randomly in the last week. And I'm like, do you want to get in the break, buddy? <laughs> um, so I think Soler, Mader again, Fred Wright, Luis Leon Sanchez, Lutsenko. Pino, Luchenko. It's a nice gradient for him. That's not a bad shout. Did he get ahead on one mountain stage? The reason why, like second, Prades. Okay, or so I've heard. I look for seventy kilo, sixty-eight to seventy-three kilo guys for this sort of finish. Yeah. Um, a Louis Menkes and a Kenny Ellison. They're in a huge disadvantage on these gradients. Even the gradients today, Ellison, like he did well. He's in good shape, but just it's too. It's not steep enough. Um, Looking through Padun, maybe Craddock will try again. Uh, I would like to see Chris Harper try and get in the breakaway as well for Jumbo yeah. Visma. I think he can win the stage um, from the break too. But I'm going with Lewis Leon. Um, sorry, who'd you go with, Benji? I forgot. I think it was Carapaz. I think. Yeah, you went with Carapaz. Uh, should I stick with Carapaz? I think I need to because I named him already. So yeah. let's, uh, let's go with Carapaz. Why not? Eh? And from GC... Um, again, it's a shame Roglic is out because Roglic is the one man who could have done something on this stage with yeah. half a pacing. Otherwise, even a pole, I'm expecting to just be too good. So breakaway on Piornal tomorrow, most likely. Uh, let us know. Oh, sorry. And a small correction from yesterday. Um, we said that the Vuelta hadn't clearly said that stage 16 was a three-kilometer rule stage they actually had, but the way they say it is they put in the rules that the they said the stages where it didn't apply, which was in a, a section above it, and I just missed it. So it was a three-kilometer rule stage and always was. Would I argue that it's a um, that's a it should have been absolutely not. I've got uh, that. That piece of what I said, I still stand by. Absolutely shouldn't be a three-kilometer rule stage, and we can debate whether a three-kilometer rule even should exist perhaps in the off-season. But, yeah, just a correction on that, and a lot of eagle, eagle-eared listeners. Do eagles have good ears, hearing? No um, Yeah, they got good eyesight. But, yeah, thanks for everyone uh, for the correction. But that's all from us today. Hope you enjoyed it. Go check out Zwift.com for the new Zwift hub that's dropped, and we'll see you with a recap of Stage 18 tomorrow. Ciao.